Well, good morning, church. Great to be with you as we worship together. We're always blessed to be together in God's house with you, and we celebrate all God is doing. I uh, want to share a few things with you right now. With This evening at 6 o'clock, we're going to have one church worship night, and we hope that you're planning to be with us. Bring your family and friends. Come on out. We just want to come together. Because we have the three services, a lot of you don't know each other, and as we'll read in the scriptures later, uh, we need to, to love one another, and so you need to know who you're supposed to love, and so we're going to show up together as one church, and that'll be at 6 o'clock. We're going to have communion. You're going to have that outside the doors as you prepare your hearts to enter into worship before the Savior, and we want to worship Him together and just love on God and love on one another and be God's church, and so we're looking forward to this. It's something brand new for us, and we'll be doing it every other month, and we want you to be a part of it. You can invite your friends, family, whoever wants to be here. It's all about Jesus, okay? All right, how many of you live on the east side? So we see a lot of you from the east side. We want you to know that we're starting a home group on the east side of Tucson. And uh, Ted and Lori are back here in the corner. They're going to stand up over there and wave at you. It's a little dark, but see them. I'd like you to talk to them. Uh, they will start that, uh, I think it's this Tuesday, right? All right, so this Tuesday night, they're going to start a study at their house. They're going to offer you dinner. So, hey, there's a bonus. Now, if you weren't planning on going, maybe you are now. I hear she's a great cook, or he is, whoever's doing it. And uh, so if you want to talk to them, she's doing it. Yeah, he's letting you know. He won't touch it. All right, so let them know, and you want to talk to them about that, get more information. They have their address for you and all that. Please see them before the end of the service. You can go over there right now if you want. I don't care. Thank you. You may be seated, guys. All right, we're looking forward to that. We're trying to, you know, like increase the opportunities for us to grow in our faith together. This Saturday is the bug split ride. You know that coming up for a teen challenge the blessing is coming up on october 13th it's our 14th year doing that there's sign up back there in the back on the table if you want to help us out in some ways we do have small groups discipleship all through the week and we have a mug shot up here on the screen i want to show you i think it's coming up there in a minute um is it there yeah not my mug shot somebody else's you already see me hey where's he at where's joseph at I know he was here. I saw him earlier. Is he, did he skip out on me? Is he out somewhere? Well, anyway, we'll just smack him when you see, me, see him, okay? Um, he's graduated this week from Gospel Rescue Mission. And uh, he, yeah, we we're blessed to be there with him. And uh, just ask you guys to pray for him as he begins his journey. Um, stepping out into the world again uh, from that environment and graduating from that program. He's the first one at uh, the the New Hope Center down of Opportunity, whatever the name is, you know where it's at down there, where the Gospel Rescue Mission is, and there's a bunch of uh, others that will be graduating soon, and we're excited to celebrate with them, and uh, so be in prayer for them. Yes. All right, the next one, we have a, another picture from yesterday. We invite you to come on our prayer rides with us. We went to Dove Mountain and to the city of Eloy to pray over them, and uh, God was there. I want to tell you a quick story about this, that um, first off, we do prayer rides because God's asked us to do this as part of our ministry. And Full Throttle is our motorcycle ministry, if you don't know that. And we invite everyone to participate, whether you have a motorcycle or not. We had a lot of cars go. We took one of the vans. Larry, who uh, was playing up here today, his first time in the, this service to play, he drove and his wife Amanda, and they helped us uh, get everybody up there. took one of the vans. We had a large group that went up there. And what we do is we go up and we're praying and asking God to move in those communities and believing that God wants to start something. So the reason why I share all that with you is 10 years ago this month, we had our very first prayer ride. During prayer at the old property on Broadway, 
We know that God was talking to us and challenging in a private prayer time on a Wednesday morning. I was in the chat in the sanctuary over there talking to the Lord, and I made a simple prayer of God make Tucson the Christian version of Sedona, referencing the New Age movement that is very prevalent there. It's the home center for that messed up lie from the devil. And so as I prayed against that and was asking God that, God challenged me about what about that. And through that process of prayer, beginning to pray for Sedona, we spoke with Ross and uh, my wife and I talked with Ross and Jesse and we planned our very first prayer ride to Sedona, Arizona. In September of that year, we drove to Sedona, not knowing anybody to pray over the city, the churches that were there. We got permission from somebody to go into their church. They left the doors open for us and we went in. Why do I tell you all that? Because God's amazing. He's so amazing that when he was whispering that into my heart, I had no idea what he had planned. That here we are 10 years later, and when I look back at all God has done through that process and through that moment, I want to just share like this little tiny thing of what happened. When we were there, God led us, led us to meet a, a lot of great people. We began to pray over Sedona and the people of the city and the churches, met some good Christian people there. And um, one of those persons gave me that motorcycle that I ride out there for free. Called us up a few years ago. You all know that. Probably been four and a half years ago now and said, hey, God wants us to give you this motorcycle for your ministry because everywhere it goes, it draws attention and you'll be able to share Jesus with people as a result of riding this bike. Come and get it. It's yours. I mean, that's amazing, right? God's incredible. So I ride that bike, and people are always like, hey, what's a story about the, hey, what about this? And get to tell them about Jesus and God's amazing love. So anyway, that's one thing. Here's another thing. Through that process, we met a man named Doug Fitzpatrick, who was a member of a church there who's a lawyer in Oak Creek, which is the, the adjoining community to Sedona. Doug's a lawyer. He's helped us out as a church in the property transition from the old property to here. And uh, we send out emails about everything we're doing. So Doug's up in his office in Oak Creek, and he saw an email from us asking everybody about the prayer ride and if you'd join us. So Doug contacts me and says, I know somebody there. Would you go by their house and pray for them? We never met him, right? His name's Chuck. And so said, absolutely, we'll make it work. So we had the plan for this ride, and we said, hey, everybody, we're going to this house too. Never met him before. So we had approximate time we'd be there. When we drove down the street, Chuck and his mom and his daughter were standing on their porch waiting for us to arrive. When we pulled up and went up there, I just want you to know how amazing God is. See, this, this man was broken. And uh, <laughs> as soon as he knew that I was Pastor Dave that he heard about from Doug. He said, would you come in my house? Now, we had 50 people out there. And I said, yeah, you know, so I came in the house with him. And he, like, opened his heart and his whole house to me. And he just started talking to me about the brokenness that he's had in his past, about his family's brokenness, about the things that have happened to their children and the environment in which they live. And as I was listening to him, the Spirit of God was just like, this is why I'm here. And so we went out and we were blessed to be able to lay our hands on that family individually and all of us as a group pray over them. And as we did that, it was like, this is what the gospel's all about, church. And I look back and I'm like, God, you're so amazing. But 10 years ago, in about the end of July 2009, 
here's this guy walking through the sanctuary saying a simple words like, God, make Tucson the Christian version of Sedona. And God's like, hey, Dave, hey, you need to pray about that. Because God was like, there's a guy in Eloy, come on, seriously, that's going to need you and all of your people to lay hands on him. And God knew that. Way back then, when all I was thinking about is that'd be a cool ride. We can go pray for that city. That's a great place. We can go visit that and see what God's doing. And God's like, I have plans. I'm God. And I want you to see that I am God and I want to reach people. And I want them to know I love them and that I am the answer to their brokenness, man. And as we laid hands on him and the people were praying, I mean, the spirit of God just like, yeah, came sweeping over me. And I was like, thank you, God for this moment on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of a community on a porch a little piece of cement for this house where this family that is so devastated and broken heard and felt the love of God and have a hope I mean it's like God you're so amazing church I share that with you because I'm saying like today like God is up to something it's not just this moment. We get so wrapped up in what's happening right here in this moment. And God is doing something in our lives that will impact not only our life, but the lives of so many others. It is so critically important that we're in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying. We're living in full obedience to Him and what He's trying to do. Because God is about saving this culture. Jesus Christ died to save those people that are lost that sometimes we'll just drive by or ignore because we see the absolute brokenness of their life. God loves them. God wants us to embrace them, to share his love with them. Church, this is not about me and you being in church. This is about me and you having a relationship with the creator and sharing that relationship with broken people all around us. God's word is amazing whose challenges are amazing. And I'm like in awe of him and I step back and I'm like, God, so what else are you doing right now? God, I just want to make sure that I'm touching everybody I should, that I'm praying the way I should, that I'm walking the way I should, living the way I should, so that, God, you can do something. Do you remember what we heard last week in the word of God? We are his ambassadors as if God is making his plead through us. Come back to God. Isn't that awesome? Think about it, man. God is making his plead through us. Come back to God. Get over yourself. Get over what you think about other people. Start loving the way God has called us to love. Church, let's embrace the fullness of this redemption that Jesus Christ has for us. We've been singing some amazing words that are taken right from the word of God to call us into this brand new amazing life that God has for us. And as we embrace the fullness of what he says to us, we want to step right into the word of God. I'm not asking accountability questions. Here I will ask one. Are you living for Jesus? Did you live for him last week? Are you going to this week? All right, let's see what he wants to tell us about. 1 John chapter 5, God's amazing word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. So... I'm going to continue reading eventually, but right now i got to stop. Because when we read that verse, um, I have a troubling in my heart with what has happened in Christendom in our day. 
When the Word of God says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ become a child of God, it is very easy for us in our culture and the way we've been taught in churches to say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. They're like, oh, okay, then you're safe. Everything's fine. Okay, no. Can you just stop for a minute and let's see what God's Word actually says right here. See, when you translate this into our English language, when we see that text, I want you to hear what it's saying. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. So there's something to that statement right there. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that means he is the Messiah, the Savior, the one and only. Okay, so what he tells us right here in that simple little statement that we can blow over and say, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, okay, good. I'll see you in heaven. You know, that easy believism that we've been led to believe. Let's hear what God's word actually says about this belief. Because what God's word actually says here is everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. So hold on a minute. What he just said to us is this. If you really believe this, then you've been made something else. A child of God. You are not a child of God before you believe that. But if you really believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the one and only, then in that belief, you have now become transformation. Something has happened. There's something different about you. You have become a child of God because you believe that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, so our faith engages this plan of God for redemption, the one whom he said is the Redeemer. So church, as we look at the Word of God, I want to make it very clear to you. The Word of God is calling us into this place that says that I don't only just believe that He is, I believe that He is, and as a result of my belief, I am become a new creation, I am no longer the same, and I've stepped into a life of faith that God has planned for me. So it's not just, hey, I believe in Jesus, great, let me see your ticket, see you in heaven. No, it is, I believe, therefore I am changed, therefore we are on a journey to heaven. And my life is now different before I get there. Okay, so the one promised by God, the Messiah, to take care of the sin problem that he promised he would fix in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve first screwed it up. And he tells us that we, as we surrender to him in this relationship with him, does something about that sin that has screwed us all up. We're going to find out what God actually says. See, the belief is becoming, and it is coming into line with all that God says about us. So I want to make this very clear. It doesn't matter what your church taught you, including this one, if it doesn't align with God's word. It doesn't matter what you believe it said or believe it says. What matters is what God's word says. And we need to know what God's word says because that's where you're going to be held accountable for Church, it is my responsibility as your pastor and as a speaker of God's word, speaking the prophetic word of God, saying this is the word that we will be judged by. I am held accountable to speak the truth to you. I want everyone in this room to know that I am declaring God's word to you, not Dave's ideas. This is what God's word says to me and you. Because we have proclaimed that we believe him. Do you believe that you are saved? The only way that you believe that is that you believe that Jesus Christ is who God said he was. He did what he said he would do, and he's done it for you. All right, so we're saying, yes, I believe. All right, 
So let's stay on task here with what God's Word actually says to us when we read it. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, step one. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Okay, so now because we become new, we love each other. Look around you. Those are people you're supposed to love. Everyone here. Not certain ones here, everyone here. We're coming together as one church tonight so we know who we're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to love one another. We love his family. We know this. We become God's children. If we're, we're God's children, the Father loves us and God tells us we're going to love our brothers and sisters, right? All right. We have a problem with this because of the brokenness and the dysfunction of our families. Many of us do not have a love relationship within our family and therefore we struggle with loving people because we're on guard against them because we've been damaged by people close to us. And therefore, we are skeptical of the people around us and we reserve our love because we want to be safe. God's word says this, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. If you don't love the people around you, first off, you need to ask forgiveness and ask God to transfer your heart so that you can love those people. All right. We know we love God's children If we love God and obey his commandments. So wait a minute. We got easy believism in verse 1 that we kind of try and go over. And now we're starting to understand something about when we become new. This is what happens to us. When you actually believe that Jesus is the Christ, you have become a son of God. And as a son of God or daughter of God, a child of God, whoever you are, when you step into that place, now there's something different. You love people, the people you didn't used to love. And you love them with genuine love because you love the Father. And he tells us, and not only that, I live a life of obedience to what God says. One amen on that one. (laughs) We know we love God's children. If you love God and obey his commandments, Loving God means keeping His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. Okay, so as I look in the Word here, something's unfolding before us. We're getting a little description, a word picture of what it means to be a believer, of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And what I'm seeing is God is saying, like, we're changed, we become new, we're loving people we could never love before, we're loving God, we're living a life of obedience to what He tells us we're supposed to do, and something else amazing right here, His commandments are not burdensome. We have learned religion to be somewhat burdensome. And many people in the church, man, I don't know if you guys live like this, but you look like you're just dragging yourself through life, man. Like, it's just a burden. It's difficult. Like, well, man, the devil's been beating me up this week. I've been through this spiritual warfare. Like, stop it already, would you? Just, just wait a minute. The enemy's real. He's out there. We know that. But when we're reading the Word of God, I'm living a new life in Christ, and it says that this life that I'm living is not burdensome. When I'm living in the life that God has called me to live, I'm living in this freedom of Christ, and therefore I am not like, oh, life sucks. Can't wait to die so I can get to be with Jesus and be free. No, he says this life that he's called us into, this relationship with God, his commandments, the thing that he has called us into, this love relationship with himself, is not burdensome. I want you to know I learned some burdensome Christianity in the church. I learned a lot of legalism and stuff that was required of me, they said. And they took God's word and they twisted it to make me believe that I was supposed to not do this, do this, and not do that. 
And when we step into relationship with God the Father and we begin to see the Word of God and the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to us, we see that the life we've been called into is full life in Christ. And the sin that owned me no longer owns me and therefore I want to live in this free life in Christ. And as I've grown in my faith, I have been blown away at how freeing it is to live in relationship with God. I can actually breathe now. I used to be like, oh, I can breathe. It's amazing. And as I look at what he's saying, he says this to us. For every child of God defeats this evil world. Every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. All right, it's tying back into the first statement, right? If I believe that Jesus is the Christ, and I have faith in that. I am now a child of God. That's what it told us, right? I'm living in relationship with the family of God. I'm being obedient to God and what he says. And in that life, God tells me, I achieve victory over the evil world. The evil world doesn't have victory over me. It's not owning me. It doesn't dictate my life. God does. I'm free from that stuff. Church! Stop living with the evil of the world weighing you down. Be free in Christ. Live the full victory that Jesus died to purchase for us. We've been selling short this amazing victory God has us. Man, we look in the Word of God, every child of God. Are you a child of God? Then you have victory over this evil world. It does not have victory over you. Own that, man. We achieve this victory through our faith. So if the evil world has been kind of being victorious over us, then we have been given a key right here. It's our faith that's the problem. We're not really believing that Jesus is the Christ. So really what we're doing is we're not believing what God has said about our redemption. Therefore, we're not really believing that Jesus is the Christ. Do you see how much more to this belief there is? So the victory over the evil world is according to my faith in who Jesus Christ is. Not according to how strong my will is, not how great my religion is, how much I go to church. My faith in who Christ is. And so as my faith increases and in who Christ is, then my faith is stronger. I stand in victory over this evil world. Who can win this battle against the world? That's the next question right there. Who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You want the victory, church? It's yours. It's yours. Do you understand? God said, here it is. Take it. All you got to do is believe. Just believe. So... See, very clearly, those who believe and follow the commandments, we live this new life, defeating the evil in the world, which is sin, right? So we're living in victory in Christ. It's not overcome me. I've overcome it because of the power of God within me. I've been given a new life in Christ. Let's see what else he says to us. And Jesus Christ is revealed as God's son. Sorry, and Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water, by shedding His blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with His testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three agree. 
Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God, and God has testified about His Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Man, is that great stuff or what, man? Church, I asked you a question. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? So you have received forgiveness of your sins. You believe that Jesus is the Christ, that He came as the sinless sacrifice for me and you, that He gave His life on Calvary, that through His blood we are forgiven and made whole. Through the resurrection we've been given new life. Through the sending of the Holy Spirit we've been given the power to new life. So we're saying we believe all that? Okay, then do you have the witness of the Holy Spirit in your heart that you're a child of God? So no human being has told you you're saved. God said you're saved. So God has given us a testimony that is greater than any human being. More than whatever I can say to you, God, the creator of the universe, took his little finger and touched our heart and said, you're mine. Church, why would we sell that short? God said, you're mine. A child of God, made new, given new life. All right. There's more to it, so I don't want to get carried away. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. You either do or you don't. You're in or you're out. It's His way, not my way, not your way, not their way. It's His way. God says, this is the only way. Do you know we were singing that a little while ago? We were praising God, the way, the truth, and the life. Those words we were singing in that song are words Jesus spoke Himself. When He was saying, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All right? So all those false religions, those false beliefs... Those things that are out there saying, oh, there's many roads to the mountain. No, there's not. There's one. It's Jesus Christ. And when we're trying to say easy believism, well, all you got to do is live a good life. Or, oh, you're trying. You're you're being sincere. I don't care how sincere you are. If you don't have Jesus, you're lost and you don't have life. The Word of God is very clear to us, church. You're either in or you're out. You believe in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, your life is transformed. You love Jesus. God's people. You love God. You're obedient to the Holy Spirit. You do what God says. Your life is transformed. God has given you victory over the world. That's the fullness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Not just an amen and yeah, I am. That's the fullness of the salvation of Jesus Christ and the life that is transformed in power. Let's read it in Romans. So we're reading what the Apostle John was writing to the church. Now we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings right relationship with God and new life for everyone. So one brokenness, one wholeness. Here's God. He's saying, like, I've come to fix this. Adam screwed everything up that I had planned for you. Do you see how in the New Testament they call it Adam? Adam was blaming Eve. Talk about the woman first sinning and, and right here in the Word of God. Yes, Adam's one sin. I'm just, just saying. Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. 
But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Isn't that a great statement? He's like, God says, like, hey, Moses, I want you to give them this law because I want them to see how screwed up they really are. I want you to see how messed up sin is and how screwed up your lives are. So here's the deal. You're going to offer a sacrifice for this and this and this and this. And you're not even going to be able to come into my presence because sin has separated you. If you study the law of Moses in the Old Testament, you're going to be like blown away at everything that God said you had to do to even come close to him and you couldn't come to him. Crazy. And so the word of God is declaring something to us who have found it so easy to believe. Here's what God's word is saying to us right here. Okay, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, they couldn't stop themselves. We couldn't stop ourselves. God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Oh my goodness, isn't that awesome? Church, do you see what happened here? Sin ruled. We surrendered authority on this world, this planet, and our lives to sin. God said, I'm going to establish a new law and a new ruler. No longer does sin rule. I am. And I have established my rule. Here it is right here in God's Word. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Giving us right standing with God. Come on. I'm okay with God. God's okay with me. That's crazy. But it doesn't stop there, just so you know. This, this teaching continues in chapter 6, verse 1. It does not stop. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Okay, so the Apostle Paul is giving you an action step. Here he is. He's asking a question. Come on, it's a no-brainer. He's saying, look, sin used to own you. God now owns you. We saw that we couldn't live a life that was good enough for God until Christ empowered us to be changed. John's writing about that change to us. We're being reminded right now through the word of God, church. He's saying, so because you've been taken from your old life into this new life, should we keep living the same old way? No way, of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we any longer live in it? This is God's word, remember? So see, some of us have been taught that we can't live free from sin. We've learned that in the church. Come on, that's crazy. God's word doesn't say that we're in bondage to sin any longer. He says we're set free from it. Church, it's God's word. He says that's dead. This is life. Why in the world would we think we can go back to death and be alive? That's what he's telling us. Since we've died to sin, we've died to that old life. How can we live that way any longer? We can't. The action step here is like a no-brainer. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? Hey, did you forget that your old life died? 
Maybe that's the problem. This is what Paul's saying to us. That's what I'm saying to you. Did we just maybe forget that the old life was gone? That we're living a new life? Did we forget that? Oh, let me remind you. This is what he's saying. Let me remind you. Here it is. When we were joined with Jesus through baptism, like, I have faith in Christ. Great, let's baptize you. He says to us, once we were baptized in that new faith, here's what the Word of God says. As a reminder, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined Him in His death, where we died and were buried with Christ by baptism? That's why we like dunk you down on this water, put you under. It's like the old life is dead, gone. Forget about it. It's all gone. Because God's word says this, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may know new lives. Man, new life. The old, the old is gone, it's dead. The new has come in Christ. So I'm not owned by that. As a matter of fact, John said, I have victory over the evil world, right? Through Jesus Christ, when I believe who he is. If I've actually died because I believe that he's given me new life, then that old life no longer owns me and I don't live that way. Okay, since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Lose its power. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. That's God's word. You've been set free from the power of sin. So what's going on? Why is it that the modern church is in bondage to sin and brokenness and we're not living in the truth of who God says he is? I'm not saying you personally. Listen, church, the word on the street is that the church of Jesus Christ is dead and gone in the United States of America. That we have lost our hold, that people do not see us differently, and there are polls and stats to say we're the same as the world. You know, our statistics say we don't live any different than the world does. I'm telling you that actual scientific surveys have done of, been done of the church, and the stats prove that statement, that the church is living no different. There's just as much divorce. There's just as much adultery. There's just as much uh, addiction problems. There's just as much uh, addiction to pornography and brokenness. And Okay, so let me just clarify something for you. There's just as much sin in the church as there is in the world. And when I read God's Word, God's Word says that when I've been set free, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but it's lost its power in my life. So therefore, when I believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, then I have power over all addiction, all brokenness, all bondage, all pornography, all that stuff, that Jesus Christ has set me free from that life. It no longer has power over me. Hear me, church. That doesn't mean it doesn't keep talking. The enemy, all he has is a big mouth. I just want you to know, all the devil has is a big mouth. When he tempted Jesus in Matthew 4, and you read the temptation of Christ, he did not have any authority or power over Christ. He only had words. And when he spoke to Jesus in the temptations, Jesus defeated him, not with his own words, but with the word of God. 
He spoke God's word against those temptations and he would not give in to what the enemy said. So what is happening in my life and yours is the old life of death, sin, and brokenness is yakking in our ear. And it's trying to get us an invitation down that old road back into death. And all we got to do is remember, or have we forgotten that that old life is dead? And I have been resurrected in Christ. Therefore, I reject that old voice. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And I will not listen to that voice. This is what I see in my mind. I want you to know how God has painted a picture in my head. Maybe it'll help some of you. Here's what I see in my mind when I think about this stuff and when the enemy's yakking at me. I remember a story in the Old Testament where the Philistines came against Israel. And they had this mighty warrior named Goliath, a giant of a man, proven warrior, a fighter, and everybody was scared to death of him. And he stepped out into the valley of Elah. And as he stepped out there, he began to curse and challenge all of Israel, King Saul, and he condemned them by the names of his pagan gods. All of Israel's army, including King Saul, when, when Goliath stepped into the valley and began to yak his mouth, it tells us in the word of God, they ran to their tents and hid. They were back there hiding, scared to death of this giant man. So I have that picture in my mind, and so do you. And you know what happens next. Here's this young boy coming to bring cheese and some stuff to his brothers that are in battle. And he hears this voice in the valley. And you know what his response was? It wasn't like, who is that big dude out there? You know what his voice was? This is exactly what David said. Who is this that thinks that he can defy the armies of the living God? Do you hear that? He's like, who does he think he is? I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what his resume says. I don't care what his history is. Who does he think he is? And he's like, hey, what's going on here? He starts to ask the soldiers, what's happening? Hey, man, have you heard? The king said, you don't have to pay taxes the rest of your life. I beat that guy. He's like, what? <laughs> Sign me up, man. I'm in. David wasn't afraid. David was just a boy. He wanted to see Saul. Saul's trying to give him all his armor and his weapons. are like, Pooh, finally, someone's willing to go face that dude. Go. I don't care if you're a kid. Put on my stuff. Go out there. David puts on his arm. He's like, man, I can't go out like this. I can't wear your stuff. <laughs> Goes out there just like a shepherd boy. Man, you talk about humiliating the enemy. You know how Goliath was ticked when he saw him? He's like, I'm a warrior. You're sending a little boy out here? Come here. I'm going to feed you to the animals. I'm going to kill you. I defy you. And he's like, hey, today. David's speaking back to today. Today. You're done. You know what I love about this? And some of you might think this is morbid, but it's God's word and it's truth and I love it. God's a warrior. And so David takes that stone, whacks him right in the forehead. He drops. You know, Goliath was just unconscious there. He wasn't dead yet. David ran up and it tells us in the word of God, he took Goliath's own sword and cut off his head and killed him. You know, yeah. So I'm telling you that because, you know, some of us have been letting that yacker talk way too long. 
And we've been listening to him saying, we can't, we're not, we're nothing, we're broken, we've had this, we've experienced that, this has happened in our past. And we just let him keep on yakking and yakking and yakking. And when he first starts to talk, too many of us are fleeing to our tents and like, oh, I'm broken, I'm defeated. Like, come on, man. Why don't you stand up in the power of God's word? Stand up with the authority that Christ has given to us. And let's cut that sucker's head off, man. Let's stand on him. In the name of Jesus. I mean, come on. This is what God's word says. It says this, that Jesus Christ has crushed the power of sin in our eyes. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Who's giving sin power on our lives? It's us. Stop it. Stop it. God has said, I have crushed this thing. I have defeated it. Not you. You couldn't. That's why you're like you are. I did this so that it would not have any power in your life any longer. The word of God said we're no longer slaves to sin. In our broken, I said this last week, my old life. See, I thought I was in control. And this is what we're tempted. Like, I can handle it. We can't. We were nothing but puppets on strings to the enemy. The devil just played with us. We were just little puppets. And God says, I set you free from that. I've cut the strings. You're no longer slave to sin. For when we died in Christ, we were set free from all that. We were set free from the power of sin. See, there was power over us. We were slaves to it, but he said, I've set you free from that. We just read it in God's word. Have you been set free from the power of sin? Thank you for all three of you that are. I mean, if we believe we're set free from it, this is God's word. What John is writing to us is saying, look, church, you know, we couldn't do it on our own religiousness. We couldn't do it in our flesh. We couldn't do it in our own will. We couldn't do it at all. Therefore, Jesus came and did it all so that through him, you and I might experience this new life in Christ, which is only available through him. And now we've been given the ability to live new lives. New lives. I feel like I'm saying the same thing every week. Why is this? We are free in Christ, man. And and I'm seriously, I have this tremendous burden for the church. I have a burden for Christians that are not living the Christian life. I'm not talking about your sin in your life. I'm talking about not stepping in to the fullness of Jesus Christ. The redemption that God has for you. The freedom, the abundance is not a life of bondage. It is a life of freedom, church. It's only available through him. So we need to stop selling short this redemption that God has for us. All right, we have to submit the flesh to the Spirit and follow the Spirit's leading in our lives. He is within you. He has affirmed Himself. He's the one calling us into this new life. It's God's work. So as we look at this, we read these similar words. In Romans 8, like I told you last week several times, great chapter. Let's just look at part of this that I read last week to you. We have to because it affirms what we're talking about. And I believe after today, we're leaving this behind and moving forward. But I also believe that God's saying, come on, church, step into it. So here you go. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. 
Do you see? I mean, I just keep hearing the same message through the scriptures. Like, you're free from this. You're free from this. You're free from this. It's Jesus that did it. You're, you're no longer there. You're not that. You're now this. And would you please accept the this of God and reject the that of who you were? Church, it's right there in the word of God. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son and body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Yes. So I'm not going to re-preach last Sunday's message. You can always look that up online and uh, follow that one as well. But I'm just going to highlight that one statement, which we highlighted last week, which is part of what we're talking about today. God's word says that God declared an end to sin's control over us. Okay, so let's just put this into proper perspective again. We need to, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? to declare something different than what God has declared. Why is it that we would think that we can't, or because some church or some teaching or somebody mistwisted scripture tell you that you can't escape the power of sin and you're just always going to sin the rest of your life. When God said, I've declared an end to sin's control over you, I have set you free from the power of sin, I've given you new life. I mean, I'm reading God's word, church, come on. I don't care about your old theology or anybody else's. What I care about is what God says that he did for me in Jesus Christ. And what I see that God did for me through Jesus Christ is he said, I've declared an end to this old way of living. I've given you a new life in Jesus Christ. And you're no longer in bondage to that stuff. I've set you free. Therefore, stop listening to the yacker. Cut him off. Tell him to shut up in the name of Jesus. I'm free. I'm no longer going to live that way. I'm not owning that stuff. I'm walking in the newness of life. It's God's word. He declared it. You, you, you know, uh, if you're regularly sinning, hey, look, if you're regularly sinning, first off, I want to tell you, you need to repent because you have surrendered what God purchased for you and you have owned death over life. Knock it off. Repent of that. Step into the newness of Christ and start living in the new way. I understand you need to learn how to live it. So do I. I'm still learning 30 some years later. I got a lot to learn. All right. But I'm learning how to live in this new life all the time. And as I grow in my faith, which is the word of God says that I begin to understand God more and the fullness of this life. And you know what I found is that the, the freedom in Christ is way bigger than I ever thought it was. It's so amazing. I'm like, wow, God, you are so crazy. Awesome. This I'm like, yeah, I need your help, Lord, because I'm this crazy man. I, I need just this step into the fullness. I cannot wait to see where God takes me in the remaining days of my life because it's so amazing what he's already doing and, and what he's showing us. It's great. You may be uncomfortable with this. I understand. Some of you have been taught things and you believe things different than what I'm talking about, but I just want you to know this isn't Dave's theology. I'm just talking about what God's word says to us. So all I'm asking you to do is not buy into what I say, but buy into what God says. Okay, because God's made the declaration, not Dave. I'm just showing you what God said to you. 
And so now we as individuals need to own what God says to us and really own what he's doing because God's doing it. So if you're uncomfortable, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit making you uncomfortable because he doesn't want you to be comfortable in living in sin. Jesus said he's sending the Holy Spirit so that he would convict us of that stuff so that we would live right. Read John chapter 16. He tells us that. Holy Spirit's there. He's going to convict you. Calling you out of sin. All right. Well, anyway. So as we hear God's word declared to us, over us, and speaking to us, it's my responsibility to surrender to God's word, trust him in it, and obey what he says. Because you see what he tells me is if I love him, I'm going to do what he says. And God says this to me. Right? So if I believe in him, I'm going to believe what he says. I'm going to do what he says. And what he says to me is live this way. Live this way. So don't just answer this question. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think about it. But um, have you tried to live a day when you intentionally focused on listening to the Holy Spirit in your heart throughout the whole day? I said don't answer that right away, but thank you. (laughs) It's okay. I love you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we'll leave that alone. So... (laughs) This is why we ask the question. See, like, when, when we gathered yesterday for a prayer ride, and we do prayer rides periodically, when we come together, we always, we're expecting something from God. When we go and pray, I'm saying, listen, what is God saying to you? We come back together and say, what did God say to you? And people are saying what God was talking about. So we prepare ourselves for these prayer rides. We're praying ahead of time. We're going. We're expecting. And God always does something amazing. And so I'm like, Okay, so here's the lesson we need to learn that every day God's doing something amazing, but oftentimes we're not paying attention, staying in line with the Spirit so that we're aware of what God's doing. All right? Not that we would know all that He's doing, obviously. That's not what I'm saying. But God is always doing something. And the Holy Spirit is always trying to work through our life, right? We are His ambassadors. God is feeding through us. Come back to God. So God's doing something through our life. So when I'm attentive to the Holy Spirit, I know in that moment when I'm supposed to say something, do something, act a certain way, not do a certain thing, not act a certain way. Therefore, when my life is directed by the Spirit of God, I'm obedient to the Spirit of God, and He's working with me. Now listen, I'm not saying that every moment you have to be God-conscious. You are God-conscious, but you have to do your job. I want you to pay attention when you're driving, please. All right? So we have stuff we got to do. I get it. All right? That's, that's not, we're not saying like, oh, I'm like always thinking of God. No. It's being attentive to the Holy Spirit enough so that when we're doing something and God says, hey, we're like, yes, sir. I hear you. Like all of you mostly have earbuds or earphones or whatever you got going on, right? So why don't you plug one of those into the Spirit of God and just let Him always have access. Like just talking to me and knowing So we have the affirmation of the Holy Spirit that we're children of God, right? You have that? So those of you that didn't answer yes to that, I want you to know you can have that. God's Word says that. And half of you didn't say anything right there, so I'm going to ask it again. All right, do you have the affirmation of the Spirit of God that you're a child of God? Okay, if you don't, I want you to know you can have that today. And it's nothing a church gives you. It's nothing I can do for you. It's nothing you're going to receive getting wet. The Spirit of God does it. He says... I'm yours and you're mine. We're in relationship. So the Creator is affirming within us that we're a child of God. 
And so now that we know that we're a child of God, the Holy Spirit convicts our life, He leads our life, and He leads us into new life as we are becoming more Christ-like. It's amazing, isn't it? The Christian life is awesome. It's exciting. It's not boring. It's not burdensome. It's freedom. It's amazing. So when somebody's going to go get our kids for us, we're going to do action steps and baptism, and it's only uh, three people to be baptized. Just hang with us. We're still early, and I did this on purpose, trying anyway, so that we could be done in the same time. So I have some action steps for you. The kids, XP kids, are going to come up, and they're going to be up here in the front so they can be a part of the baptism. Did somebody go get them already? Is somebody doing that? Thank you. Good deal. We're already done. So church, I'm going to ask you this. Are you a believer? Yes. You know what that means? <laughs> so that means you're a follower, right? You're saved, you're made new. All right, so if we are, how are you living in the power of the Holy Spirit in the battle with sin? How you doing? You know, the old life. No longer, right? Come on, man. It's a new day. It's a new day. And this may be a new moment in your understanding of your walk with God, but I want you to own the new moment of the new day in your new life. Sin has no longer control over who you are. It has lost its power. He is powerless against Christ. Therefore, He is powerless against you and me. Therefore, all he has is that yakking mouth. Cut his head off, church. In the name of Jesus, I renounce you, and I am victorious in Christ, and I'm made new. I'm no longer part of that. I've been set free. God's so good, man. Have you been baptized in your belief in Jesus Christ? So the question I just asked you is, have you been baptized in your belief in Jesus Christ because a lot of us got baptized before we even knew about Jesus some of us got baptized because the church said you ought to some of us got baptized by our parents because they want to make sure you got to heaven because we had some screwed up teaching out there in the church we knew but the word of God tells me something very clear that when we are saved in Jesus Christ by faith if you read Acts chapter 16 I believe it is there were some people that had been baptized in John's baptism which was a good thing it was a baptism of repentance but the apostle Paul and those that were teaching them said have you been baptized in the name of Jesus yet no and they baptized them again they baptized them again because what they needed to understand is that's great that you repented, but until your faith is in Jesus Christ, you're not there yet. And when they put their faith in Jesus Christ, then they understood that they had new life. Therefore, now you are baptized in that new life in Jesus. The old life is gone. We're in new life, church. And so I'm asking if you've been baptized in the new life. If you have not, you need to be. In obedience to Scripture, you need to be. So I have three people that signed up to be baptized today. And those of you that are going to be baptized, uh, Fran Francisca, Bobby, and Ian, you can come up over to these seats up here. Uh, one person doesn't have their towel there. I hope you bring it up with you. Okay, they're going to come up there for just a moment. Kids, come on down. You can come right up here in the front, right down here and just sit on the floor. 